This is People Every Day. Coming up... I've been lucky enough to live the life I've never even imagined. Repeat organ donor Brian Flynn on his calling to give. Plus, the latest on Tiger Woods' accident and Law & Order's Mariska Hargitay and Chris Maloney's friendship on screen and off. It's February 24th. Hello, hello out there. This is People Every Day, presented by Macy's. I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein, bringing you the news this midwinter Wednesday. My baby decided she wanted to party like it was 2099 last night, but that's mom life, and that's what caffeine is for, so we are here. Uh, Later on, I get to talk to Brian Flynn, a man who knows the true meaning of sacrifice. He's donated his organs twice within the last two years to complete strangers, and his reasoning is so moving, so stick around for that. But first, the news. Joining me now is People's Editorial Director Kate Coyne and senior writer Steve Helling to talk through what's going on out there. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey, how are you? A lot of craziness going on out there. I mean, the story that's still making all the headlines this morning is, of course, Tiger Woods and this horrific car accident he had yesterday morning. Um, We're hearing now that he's currently awake and responsive, right? And at Harbor UCLA Medical Center. But let's talk through what what's developed since the news broke yesterday. Like, what do we know about what he was doing and, 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 and what all led up to this? Since yesterday, I mean, you know, to be completely frank, none of the big answers that people want have come out since yesterday. Um, yeah. There's been a little bit of the, the toning down of the original response, which involved mm-hmm. the jaws of life and, you know, severe life-threatening injuries and rushed into mm-hmm. surgery. And, you know, now the morning after we're getting a little more of like, well, no, it wasn't the jars of life. Yeah. yeah he's awake. He's talking. He's fine. Um, you know, I think the big question, you know, and, and Steve, you can, you can tell me if, if, you felt differently when the news broke the <laughs> the words that leapt out to me right away were single car crash because <laughs> you hear that and you know tiger's yeah. history and you hear single yeah. car crash it's not like someone cut yeah. him off it's not like someone yeah. ran into him he was all by himself something caused him alone in his car to cross all the way over multiple lanes of traffic crash into a median, flip over, and roll into a ditch. And yeah, look, that could be maybe he was texting and driving. Maybe he reached over to pick up something from the passenger seat and something went horribly wrong. But yeah. you hear single you hear single car crash in Tiger Woods in the same sentence, and it brings up a whole bunch of complicated memories. I mean, let's get into it. Steve, you, you, you I mean, wrote the book on Tiger. <laughs> like, I did. <laughs> take us back to why this might be a, a, a cringe moment. Exactly what Kate said. You know, we've been down this road before. We've been through this before with Tiger more than once. And, you know, he has had, um, you know, he has had incidents in his vehicle that have been a result of impairment of some sort. Obviously, we have no way of knowing right now whether this is the same thing. But obviously, when we hear about it, that's where our mind is going to go because that's the history that goes back 10 years now with Tiger. Um, you know, and, and when you hear that it's the, what he really did, which was that he did go across several lanes of traffic in a median, you know, that's, that is distracted driving, it sounds like, at the very least. But again, there's no, there's no charges pending against him. Um, the cops are saying, oh, it's not a big nefarious thing. So we just don't know. Yeah. And and of course, that was 
2010, I think, was the last, you know, big moment where he came forward and said after that 2009 accident that he had gone into a 45 day therapy program. And uh, he, he famously said, you know, I thought I could get away with whatever I wanted to do. I felt that I had worked hard my entire life and deserved to enjoy all the temptations around me. And he went on to say I was wrong. I was foolish. Um, and so the idea was that he had gotten back um, to himself. And I mean, as recently as 2019, he won the Masters. So, so Steve, uh, where is he now in terms of athleticism, his his life? Of course, he's had you know ups and downs with with romance and his relationships. This is kind of a shock to me, considering all the work I felt like he had done. Well, you know, from all accounts, even as recently as, you know, a month or two ago, everybody was saying he's turned it around. His career is going better. You know, he's being a great dad. And there's there's never been any question for what it's worth that he really loves his kids and spends a lot of time with them. So that's never been a question. But, you know, we were hearing and everybody's been saying that he had conquered a lot of these demons that he had. And so we can only hope that that's the truth. I'll tell you, career wise, I spoke to somebody who has spoken to him since this accident even, or spoken to his team since the accident, he's frustrated right now. I mean, he really thought that 2021 was going to be his year of the comeback. And, you know, now this is a definitely a big setback. It could be a career-ending injury. I mean, his leg was shattered. Um, So, you know, it's frustrating. And it feels like just as things were going right, they went wrong again. Yeah. And specifically, he he suffered fractures affecting both the upper and lower portions of the tibia and fibular bones, and they were stabilized, inserting a rod into his leg. Uh, It it, it sounds it sounds very intense. And and I I just want to talk about all the surgeries there. He was recuperating even. Right, Kate? Like this is this was supposed to be a, a moment of of him just kind of being back in full form, like yeah, Do you I mean, feel like this is it? The, the, the thing is, you hear about the extent of these injuries, and I do think for most athletes, it would probably be career ending. But um, this is a guy who has won championships with his leg be, having a, a, a fracture in it, with his back in ridiculous disarray, with slipped discs, with stress fractures. I mean, he has played through pain, frankly, more than the average NFL player, probably. He's, he's, his resilience in, in the face of physical adversity. He is, you know, he's a guy who for fun tried to be a Navy SEAL. He, he, he attempts to conquer physical adversity um, with real grit and determination. And so I do think that if anyone has a chance of bouncing back from this latest physical setback, uh, he can do it. But I would also say his net worth now hovers at just under a billion dollars. The guy needs to get himself a driver stat. Yeah. Like, this is enough with this. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And it's it's still developing. More is coming out. I mean, there was, you know, uh, a picture that surfaced of him with NBA star Dwayne Wade at a tournament he was hosting that seems to have been immediately prior to this. So we will know more about what led to this incident. And and I'm sure he will, he will speak when he has the chance. Uh, so thank you guys for getting into that. But uh, Kate, you're a busy lady. Um, I want to delve into the people covering 
cover story that you whipped up uh, this week, Mariska and Chris. I know she is your BFF, so we're going to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, but Mariska Hargaday and, and Chris Maloney, um, of course, law and order, fame, um, but they are back together finally. For those stands who watch this show, you know, Chris left and it was it was heartbreaking. And, and, and now we get that that reunited and it feels so good moment. So uh, tell me about what it was like to sit down with both of them. Cause you've talked to her a bunch, but I to have. Get that I've, energy. I've talked to her and I have to say it, when law and order ends in probably like 35 more years um, <laughs> when we're all in our graves, but they'll somehow still be alive and look exactly the way they do right now. Uh, the two of them need to go and do a sitcom. Let's take a, let's take a quick listen just so, so people can get a, a sense of this energy that they brought. I'm, I'm like your younger twin. Yeah, much younger. Much younger. With less hair. But I, but also. <laughs> I mean, she made fun, she made fun of his lack of hair repeatedly. Like any, any chance she got to slip in, like, remember when you had hair? That was nice. Oh, that was the season you still had hair. Oh, that was early on when we, you know, and um, he, and, and, and he could take it. He could definitely take it. I mean, he did a lot of, they did a lot of physical comedy actually, which um, I'm, I'm sorry to say probably won't see the light of day, but I mean, you know, she started moisturizing her hands and he was like, give me some of that. And they started doing this very weird praying mantis kind of rubbing their back. <laughs> of their hands together and just dying laughing they're in, they're so so funny together but of course yeah i do think the response is going to be huge to the fact that it's been 10 years um since since they've been on screen together um and it's not just you know it's not like they're doing some new project no it's it's benson and stabler it's it's yeah it's the dynamic duo they're back let's um, do it steve steve you're a crime guy on top of being a sports aficionado do you watch do you watch law and order i do have you i do i mean you know it, it was i think it came on you know like in 99 or 2000 i mean it's been a long time you can almost start steve, was only five when the show started. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, you start doing benchmarks. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember when I used to watch this. And, you know, it used to be on, I think, on Friday nights. And when you didn't have a date, you'd watch SVU. Dun, dun. And now, now, of course, you know, <laughs> which means I watched it a lot in the 90s. Um, so, so, you know, you know, I, yes, I've always been a fan. Um, I did drift off a little bit after um, Stabler left. Um, but you better believe I'm going to be watching, you know, to see them together again. Uh, so she, she's the godmother to his daughter, to Chris's daughter. Um, and, and, and she talked about their, their friendship. They vacation together um, to, to fans chagrin. They are not romantically involved in real life and have never been. Um, but she puts him in the same category as her husband and her dad. Let's, let's listen to this clip about how she talks about him. I was thinking about that today just in makeup, though. I was thinking about my father my husband, Dick Wolf, and Chris are the four sort of like mm. pillar men in my life. Oh. So wait, just remind folks, why did he leave? Well, you know, he was in contract negotiations and they fell apart. Um, and, you know, he says the word he uses for it. You know, I think his very diplomatic and carefully chosen word for the way it ended was that it was, uh, the way it was handled was inelegant. Um, and he, he he elaborated on that a little bit to say um, that the way he felt he was treated was, OK, see you later. Like, you know, they, they reached an impasse in their negotiations and they basically just said, yeah, you take care. Um, and so he took that Crazy. to heart and he said, oh, OK, well, we're big boys and girls. So 
bye, see you later. And he really, you know, he went off on new adventures and did, did lots that of That didn't change stuff. their relationship though, right? It didn't change his relationship with her. Uh, it, only, well, it did in a sense, because he said, you know, he was aware of the fact that it wasn't like they each went their separate ways. They didn't both leave yeah. the show. She was left mm-hmm. in the familiarity of what was. She was left going back to the same set, playing the same character. But but it but it wasn't a Sex in the City situation no, at all. It was, like, it, we, it was not. It was not. <laughs> um, okay, great. <laughs> what can we tell folks about like how he's going to be reintroduced and 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 how this is going to work in? The hope has always been that they would that the characters would be romantically involved. And, and so all I will say about about his return is that. On SVU, it was never really plausible that the two of them would be involved because one of the cornerstones of the Stabler character was that he was a very devoted husband and father. Um, And so that was always kind of a stumbling block. And, you know, his character, obviously, it's been 10 years. His character is going to have Mm -hmm. evolved and changed somewhat. Um, But the other thing is he's coming off of a tremendous loss. Um, he's dealing with a huge tragedy in his personal life. And that is all mm-hmm. I will say about that. <laughs> okay. Oh, come on. All right. <laughs> well, I'm glad that the, the compensation negotiations worked out because it's going to be a good season. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. You guys, thank you thank so you. much for taking me through the news yeah, today. Thanks. Of course. Next up, organ donor Brian Flynn has me reevaluating what it means to be selfless. Stay tuned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This one is going to warm your heart, you guys. I am joined now by a man who knows a lot about sacrifice. Brian Flynn is a small business owner and activist from upstate New York, but above all, he's a giver. And I mean that in a way that few people can call themselves givers. Uh, In the past two years, Brian has donated a kidney and part of his liver to total strangers. People recently reunited him and those two recipients for a photo shoot. But let's talk to the man himself about this journey he's been on. Hi, Brian. How's it going? Great, Jane. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. So, so Brian, you're what they call an altruistic donor. Explain what that means, because I think it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Awesome is one word or crazy is another word that you <laughs> describe it. Um, I've always thought that, especially as you get a little bit older, I was turning 50 and I was trying to look at ways of having more of an impact in my life. And um, I had at once gotten tested for doing a kidney donation for a friend of mine and ended up that her husband was able to donate and was fine. But I was turning 50 and I said to my wife, you know, I want to do something important. Maybe I should give up my kidney because I was told it was pretty good one. It would be a great one to give to someone. And she laughed or whatever. And then a few days later, uh, she noticed a a post um, of someone whose brother I didn't know that he was in need of a, he had a pretty serious liver uh, kidney disease was in need of a kidney. So an altruistic donor is someone who comes forward not for a relative or a friend or anybody else, but just decides they want to try to help other people. And 
donate pieces of themselves. Wow. And so, so initially it was just that, that feeling like I need to do something. I'm like, this is like the best kind of, I'm not going to call it a midlife crisis, but like. <laughs> no, it, it kind of is. That's accurate. <laughs> it would have been easier to just get a sports car or something like that. Right. Uh, and, and, and so your wife was on board from, from the beginning. Well, it, it's a little bit, um, and I guess it's a little bit of a, uh, a lifelong pursuit I've had, and it might've even gone back to when I was 19 rooted in the social Catholic teachings of of doing and living for others. It's a big part of my ethos. Um, Mm -hmm. And I try to live it, but of course, just like everyone else, you you get caught up in life and just trying to survive. Um, And then the real kind of um, moment when it became most acute was when I was 19 and my brother was killed in a terrorist attack of Pan Am 103 in Lockerbie, Scotland. And at that moment, um, he was the nice brother Right. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're growing up, there's the boy next door who's the sweet guy and he's great with kids and he, you know, teaches them tennis and, you know, plays basketball with them. And I was a little bit, let's just say sharper edged. So that moment when he died, I was reading a newspaper and the headmaster of the school he was at had said that, you know, JP Flynn was the type of man who would have made a difference. And that's just been something in my life that wow. I've been trying to live. And so when it comes to, you know, that first procedure, um, did you know who you were donating to? I know like initially you don't, but like at what point do you, do you know the person's story and do you? Right. So I had never met Greg until um, we walked into the, so the first day we walked in and it was uh, operation day and actually his, uh, I did know. His, On operation day. Yeah. And, you, wow. you, and I met him then uh, in the second case with with Richie in the liver. I'd never met him and I knew nothing about him. So that was completely anonymous. And in fact, they don't you have to choose to uh, reveal yourself. And I was OK with that. Um, we'd actually um, imagined what the boys, lovely boy's name is Richie. And we'd imagined what Richie was like. We'd made up, we actually called him Timmy because we didn't know his name. And we made up a name for Timmy. And at one point, I actually thought maybe the surgeon's lying to me and maybe it's not this really cute four-year-old boy and it's some six-year-old guy who's getting my liver. But um, it ended up being (laughs) this very sweet, wonderful boy. But I didn't know anything about him other than he was a four-year-old boy. Wow. Okay. So, so Greg, 25 year old cable technician in 2019. Yep. And then you mentioned, of course, Richie, four year old Richie Ramirez in uh, 2020. That's a very small gap. So, so what happened in between? Uh, how amazing was the procedure with Greg that you decided <laughs> to uh, turn around? It was, a, it was the morphine was tremendous. I have to tell you. Um, so, so I, and I think that, um, there was a moment and, and my, my son says it was the morphine. I, I think it was genuine, uh, where I really felt this, this overwhelming sense when I woke up from the surgery with Greg mm-hmm. of, I was so concerned about him and making sure that he was all right. And when I found that he was okay, I was overwhelmed with the emotion of that. And, and the closest analogy must be when uh, a woman gives birth to create another life, to bring another life into the world. The ability to save a life was is quite powerful. And it all started because Greg, jokingly, he and I became friends and we were texting one night and, and probably been after a few drinks on a Saturday night. And I said to him, you know, thank you again for the honor of allowing me to donate my kidney. He says, honor, that's, that's really messed up, man. And he said, uh, and by the way, if you really liked it so much, I hear you can give away your liver too. And I said, oh, so then I went and researched it and found out you could. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that was actually my wife's reaction, but it really is what I felt and what I've gotten to experience and, and the sense of purpose and meaning that's come from doing this. That doesn't happen that often in life. 
Wow. Wow. I, in talking to you, it almost reminds me with a much happier ending of, of that Will Smith movie, Seven Pounds. Yes. <laughs> where he got, yeah. Have, have people mentioned that to you? Yes. Where, you know. <laughs> like, of course, <laughs> one person I called up and I, I, it was somebody else who called me when I was in the hospital. And he, he said, I said, can I call you next week? I'm in the middle of something. He's like, what? What are you doing? I said, well, I just you know donated my liver. And I'm, he's like, well, I thought you had to be dead. Are you dead? And I said, no, I'm, I'm not actually dead. I'm, 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 I'm still alive. <laughs> you know, you, uh, people, know about kidneys but not many people know um about the ability that the liver regenerates itself and um it's only been three and a half months since surgery and and pretty much i'm uh from what i said from the results i've most of it's been regenerated and i've had very little health effects my biggest fear was failing Hmm. that i wasn't going to be able to get it done i didn't talk about it beforehand Um, i actually didn't want to talk about it much afterwards i didn't post about it but i love talking about it now because the people at the transplant center said, if, if you'll talk about it and tell people how fulfilling the experience is and how it, relatively easy and possible it is to do, I mean, that means yeah. you might convince someone uh, to consider donating. And I've already had um, two or three people who've actually wow. started the process. Oh, Brian, that is so awesome. Lastly, tell me about the moment of just getting to hang out with them. It's... Um, there's an expression that, you know, live the life you have imagined, right? And I've been lucky enough to live the life I've never even imagined. Uh, it's better than I imagined. And that moment of being able to uh, meet this incredible little boy and and just as importantly, his wonderful parents, uh, Melissa and Richard, uh, that moment um, to see how happy and joyful. And also you can see when 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 someone's gone through some suffering, even a boy that young, people like that know that every day is special. And he might not know it consciously, but you can just feel um, how joyful he is and how much joy he brings to his parents and to me when I met him. And I said, that is someone who understands what it means to suffer and is saying, I'm going to live every day to the fullest because I'm lucky to be alive every day. And he doesn't probably know that consciously, but boy, do we all know that. And you can see in his parents and they've been through a lot and they are just, inc- they're inspirational. And Richie is my hero. And we know who your kids' heroes are. Ryan, thank you so, so much for this. this just warmed my heart. Well, thank you for, for having me on your show. That was Brian Flynn. For more on his story and to see the photos of him and his organ recipients, head over to people.com. And one more thing, something to make you smile. As heavy as the world feels right now, there's a group of kids who have dedicated themselves to turning frowns upside down. Listen. That's a car parade organized by Project Cheer Up, a group of New Jersey cheerleaders who, when school and extracurricular activities were canceled, decided to find ways to safely boost the energy wherever they could, be it sending custom cheer videos to grandmas at an elderly home or or rolling through town chanting out positivity. As a former cheerleader myself, go San Francisco Seahawks, I am proud. That's all, folks. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.